Houston, 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 there are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Mac Maloney's Military Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight, but first, let me introduce the members of the gang, the posse. Girls, get ready. Girls on both sides of the puddle. Get your big box of Kleenex, your big box of wipe, your fans. You squeeze in your lube. And any kind of devices that you want to get those handy. And any attachments they might have, because... The very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Matter of fact, I'm glad to be anywhere. S- Sir Juan Juan. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been over there now? Two months? Uh, the UK. He's in the seven UK. weeks, I think. Seven yeah, weeks. Seven weeks. Almost two months. He's been in the UK. He's not been uh, kicked out or? Nope. Oh, not arrested. Extradited. Uh, uh, not, you know. Still enjoying fish and chips? <laughs> At the seven weeks. There's a fish and chips One truck that comes up the street. Do they really? uh, right now, it's only on Thursdays. Yes. But it plays the music like like the ice cream music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Except that this truck plays O Solo Mio. I'm going, what's up with Why would you do that? Why isn't it a pizza truck? <laughs> no. <laughs> Holy cow. Do you know what that song is? Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. And, of course, hey. the guy who's, who's making the fish and chips, his name is what? Liam. Liam, of course. Like yeah. yeah, like Liam Lisa, like Liam. Yeah. Change the change and the music, he's, uh, dude. Put he's on, a Stones fan, so it's all good. Okay. He should put on Octopus's Garden or something. Right? He's selling fish. Well, fish and chips. Okay. Anyway. I think I get it. There's a little slice of uh, life across the puddle in the UK. It is. What a slice it is too. No Coco yeah. tonight, but uh, you know, we'll see him soon. Uh, going uh, sideways on the totem pole is our national correspondent down there in West Virginia, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Switchblade Steve Ward. Switch. It is great to be here with all of you. Mm-hmm. How's everything with you? It's beyond wonderful. Okay. And you've, you're, are you, how long have you been in West Virginia now? Uh, JJ's been over in the UK seven um, weeks. Months, month and a half. I, I, I spent a lot of time going back and forth to sell at my house and buy the house and yes. move stuff. So it's kind of, uh, I can't actually give a specific date. It's a blur. Happened. I guess if I look at my driver's license, we could uh, use that as the official date. Okay. Yeah, that, that'd be good. <clears throat> In all these travels, did you pick up any co-eds who were hitchhiking? <clears throat> uh, no. Uh, what, maybe I took the wrong route. If you If you only told me. What route the co-head, co-head route was? I would, I could have maybe tried that. I think the co-head's a fish that they catch down south. <laughs> yeah, I used to catch co-head, co-heads with a uh, 
a bobby pin in a string. Uh, okay. Bobby <laughs> pin. I did actually as a kid. We would go fishing with a a, a bobby pin yeah. and a, a string, just put it in the water, and okay, you know, some of these fish are not, you know, <clears throat> it, they say the fish me. is brain food. Well, yeah. apparently it's not for them, the, the brain part. But oh. a- anyway. So were we going after Mylan? Were we going to Mylan and tuna with that setup? Yeah. No, no. They were just like little fish out of a little lake. And you would catch them? They would actually fall for that? Oh, yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, stupid fish. That's the stupid yeah. fish. Like little minnows and stuff? Stuff like that? No, no. They're bigger than minnows. Huh. Jeez. Wow. Had to, had to bite the bobby pin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you put bait on it? Did you put something on the bobby pin? No. Not that? No. Why would they this, hit the... This is, uh, Mac, I have no idea. This is one of my vague memories as a kid. And we would put them in a bucket of water. I don't know what we did with them after that. Maybe we was tried a... to rehabilitate them or something. But uh... There wasn't a skin diver underneath the water putting them on there for you or something. You, I could understand if you put bait on it, if you put a worm or something on it. Unless the fish like hitting shiny things, which some fish do. Anyway. Well, just so she doesn't fall asleep, I'm going to quickly introduce a good friend up there in Sideways New York. Raven is with us. Raven, how are you, Raven? Hi, my friends. I'm so good. Thanks for having me. Okay. Now, two things. Now, let me Raven, introduce. Raven, you any fish stories? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, actually. Um, so I don't fish okay. because uh, when I was little, I got a fish hook through my finger. Oh, oh that sucks. Someone pulled back to cast and it caught me <sighs> and it went through my fingernail, poked out the other side oh. and I had to go get tetanus shots oh. and everything. Yeah. That was the last time I ever fished. I wow. think I was seven. Wow. Was it Lonely Larry? Who was doing the casting? Was it him? He, <laughs> he was with me. And um, I actually brought this up to him a few weeks ago because he had to take me to the emergency room to get it taken out and get the tetanus shots. And he said I ruined his day of drinking by the lake oh. <laughs> well, how dare because he you. was trying to enjoy some beers. <laughs> wow. Totally. You'll L- never forget <laughs> it. Totally LL. No. <laughs> Jesus. Incredible. Okay. Well. That, that's a fish story. Now, let me just go down and uh, introduce our um, way southern, deep south correspondent. Jocko Johnson is with us. Jojo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to be here. Got one message and a tip. Go ahead. Uh, Steve, when you're going fishing and you got that little safety pin, a piece of corn, baby, or a little piece of bread. Any fish will eat it. Some yes. states it's against the law, you know. Okay, Jocko is with us, and um, let's go back to, I just want to, uh, you know, do the biggest skew of the show. Uh, Switchy, people, while you were on your hiatus, I yes. uh, we got a number of uh, emails, just people missing the whole idea of what did Switch have to, for breakfast. Now, since you've been down there, I think um, the majority of things that you've eaten is uh, biscuits and gravy. Is that right? For, well, for, I've, for I've, Tuesday I've breakfast. It, uh, several times. Yeah, okay. All right. I almost got biscuits and gravy the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just to see what it was like. Um, uh, you, said, it, you said almost. Right. It, it turned out uh, the plans changed at the last moment, but um, I think uh, Denny's have them, so we're f- looking for Denny's, and uh, I will have biscuits and gravy and report, okay? Okay, yeah, do you right. have any Bob Evans out there? Uh, no, no, we oh, don't have no, Dale don't Evans or, yeah, Dwight yeah. Evans, Dewey Evans maybe, but not. So, um, yeah, that's the only place, and even the diners here. I think it'd be hard pressed if you went in. They didn't have them at your place, did they? They wanting your your place there with the girls. My new place out here. No, the diner back in back in New Hampshire with with all the. Oh, 
bottles. Yeah, he could. He it wasn't really on the menu, but he can make it for you. Yeah, yeah, he'd make because biscuits. He had, he had biscuits and he had gravy for other things, so he could put it together. Wow, huh. yeah. hmm. didn't really have it on the menu. But. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's a. Um, it's on my bucket list kitchen, for the yeah. summer to get biscuits and gravy. Uh, so uh, with that introduction there, Steve Arino, tell us yes. what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, for breakfast this morning, I went uh, across the river, across the mighty Ohio, mm-hmm. into Gallipolis, Ohio. Okay. And just as soon as you get off the bridge, there is a Bob Evans there. Okay. So I went to Bob Evans, and I had a three meat and cheese omelet <laughs> oh. with <laughs> white toast, with grape jelly, yes, and black coffee. Yes. No hash browns or, or home fries. That's good. That's healthy. Now listen, did that you say three good. meat? Three meat? Yes, that's what that's what they call it. Three okay. meats and cheese omelet. Let's let's guess the meats. Okay, bacon. Sounds like a game Sausage. show. Yeah, and sounds, now let's guess the yeah. meats. It sounds like a porn movie. Frankly, says, but wait, wait, wait. <laughs> was it it. was it three meat and three cheese, or just three meat and one cheese? Well, I I, I don't really <laughs> no. know. Uh, if if you want me to differentiate between, you know, cheese is cheese. Yes. Pretty much. Uh, I disagree. I, I'm going to be guessing the cheeses here if there's three of them because okay. I want to know. All right, I'm so, a cheese connoisseur. Oh, I, I have to do some investigation. I don't I don't know. I, it it tasted like cheese to me. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> That's a good sign. Now, listen, is it three <laughs> different kinds of meat? Yes. Okay, so it's bacon, oh, bacon. Sausage, bacon, and, and, uh, and something what? else. Hamburg? meat. Ham? Yeah, that'd be good. Ham. Ham. Yeah, right. Yeah, ham, okay. Ham. All right. Sausage, bacon, and ham. Wow. Yep. Man, oh, man. And did you finish it all? Uh, I did, actually. Uh, I left uh, one thing of toast behind, one, one okay. slice, half slice. Now, down in West Virginia, what's that cost? A couple bucks? No, uh, this was, is Bob Evans. So it was, it was okay. a little pricey. Oh, that's right. He was, was over. He was, yeah. he was in so the north. He was over the Mason-Dixon line. So yeah, Bob, went, uh, yes, right. <laughs> went back to the north. So Bob Evans, what's that like? Thank like God, a I, thank God I, I kept to my uh, Midwestern accent. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah. Although in, in southeastern Ohio, they sound a lot like uh, those in uh, West Virginia. Really? Okay. Some, it, yeah. Is Bob Evans like a Denny's? Um, Sort of. <laughs> uh, it actually started. Right there in Ohio, just a, a stone's throw was the first yeah. Bob Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, huh. and we used to we used to see uh, in Michigan we used to see Bob come on and 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 uh, uh, and advertise his farm sausage. <laughs> really? And, yeah. and my dad used to make fun of his accent, but you know, <laughs> How my, dare my dad was xenophobic. You know, what can I do? <laughs> in Michigan. <laughs> okay, I'm glad to hear someone else has been. But that made was where the first Bob Evans was, and then they spread all over the place. Other accent. Yeah, they're not up here yet. Yeah, not oh. on the East Coast. No, no. no. Mm. What's that place? It, it, out, it's out on the West Coast, but I think it's called In and Out. It's like the most. It's like the most popular fast food. Ever hear of that place? In and Out Burger. In and Out Burger. In and Out Burger. Are they all West Coast? I, I don't know if it's West Coast or if it's just like the the, the Midwest. Over yeah, because yeah, yeah. Nevada has them. Yeah, they'll be. They're supposed to be like the best kind of fast food drive-through food. Not cheap, but supposed to be good. I'm waiting for them yeah. to show up. Wow. Okay. Switchy. So, what you do? Did you jog home? Did you jog back over the Mason-Dixon line to work off all those well, calories? You see, I can't. There's two bridges you have to cross to get there. You go over the Barton Jones Bridge over the Kanawha River, and then you go over the Memorial Silver Bridge over the Ohio. The Barton Jones Bridge has a walkway where you, you can actually walk over, which I've done before. Yes. But the Silver Bridge, if you walk over that, 
you'll be walking in the road and you'll be arrested. <laughs> okay. Uh, we, don't want that. we don't want that unless you can do it on the show. Interesting. Okay. So you've lived, you, you've moved to an interesting part of the country there, Ron. Oh, oh, yeah. This, this, listen, this, this place, uh, when, I, uh, when I talk to people at the museum, uh, a lot of times I'll step outside Mothman. because people are always taking photographs at the statue, the Mothman statue. So I will offer, offer to take the whole group's picture because that way, you know, the, the, uh, the redheaded stepchild doesn't have to be the guy to take the picture of the rest of the family, you know, and so to speak, uh, so to speak. And uh, uh, just a block and a half up from there is where the Silver Bridge used to span across to Ohio on 6th Street. The memorial's there. The names of the other 46 people that died on the bridge are there in the sidewalk. And if you look at the at the uh, uh, flood wall, there's this beautiful mural of the of the bridge with drawn by with perspective the way it would have looked going over to Ohio. Wow. And then if you go through the flood wall just opposite where the statue is, uh, there's all kinds of murals of various battle scenes that took place there. If you go down a little further, the same gentleman that that uh, uh, sculpted the uh, uh, Mothman statue did Daniel Boone, Daniel Boone, uh, Mad Ann Bailey, uh, hmm. Chief Cornstalk. You keep mentioning uh, some, him. You yes. keep mentioning Chief Cornstalk. Who who is he? Should we know him? He was a Shawnee warrior. Yes. That uh, he was actually a peacemaker, uh-huh. and he had brokered peace between the uh, settlers and. Uh, and his tribe, yes, at various tribes, and uh, uh, he was betrayed and oh. murdered, uh-huh. and he's he's buried right down there at Tawinde Park, where the two rivers come together. Um, so it was, uh, and, and there are I know uh, I know a young lady, I know a couple ladies there oh. that are all about. Uh, he's their great great great, you know, about seven times grandfather. Yes. So uh, anyway, there's uh, and he's he, he's buried there. There's a, a monument there. Who? But uh, who? There's did just that? all kinds of stuff to see, uh, right within walking distance of the Mothman Museum. Who 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 betrayed him? Was it the settlers? Was it own people? Uh, I forget specifically. Aliens. Who, you know, no, I'm much better at the weird stuff. Than the history, so I'm, I'm still brushing up on the history because I don't even know. I can't remember the general's name that that's there right next to Chief Cornstalk, uh, Mad Ann Bailey, and uh, Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett. Well, we all know what yeah. happened with Davy Crockett, but that's an odd name for a chief. I mean, you know, usually it's like raging. No, I'm bull sorry. Or... I'm sorry, Daniel Boone. Daniel I keep Boone. Saying yeah. Davy Same Crockett. Thing. Same thing. And the and the young and the young lady, a great young lady named Kelly, yes. whose father actually did the sculptures. She was out there the other day and corrected me. No, no, okay. not yeah. Daniel Crockett. It's Daniel Boone. So. Yep. They both wore that hat, though. They both wore that same kind of hat. Right. Well, I said Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone. They both had TV shows. What's That's the right. difference? Right. Fess Parker was played probably both the of same them. guy. Did they ever see them together? No. I'll bet you they never did. No, never did. Son Ooh, of a bitch. There's right. another conspiracy. That probably is the same guy then. Ah, didn't didn't Fess Parker play both of them on, on Disney many years ago? But did they film them together at the well, same time? Well, yeah, of course. They, uh, well, yeah. Davy Crockett, they had, uh, Disney did that special yes. way back in the, I think it was the 50s. Yes. But, you know, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Oh, yeah, that was, kid, that was Every was kid in the world had a Davy Crockett, Crockett hat. hat. Yeah, yeah. And, and my mom I think I, had a Davy Crockett one. lunchbox. I, I've got these, uh, these pictures of me as an adorable kid yes. with this big, fuzzy Davy Crockett uh, hat. The thing is, now, my mom told me this because I didn't remember this. Go ahead. I, I hated to get haircuts, apparently, as a kid. Wow. So I, she told me, now, our, our local barber's name was Lefty. That's a big surprise, that's right? Not good. And she said, if Lefty sees you with that, that hat on, he's going to want to cut your hair. I, apparently, I never wore it again. So oh, I was go. a stubborn little shit. Well, your mother was a smart mother. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to get that thing off his head? You can't be too careful. You know, even back then, I was very cautious. Interesting. Wow. 
kind of ironic. Well, Billy Bob Thornton and, and, and then, played Davy Crockett. And then Crockett, Daniel Boone he? was played by, uh, well, the same guy, Fred yes. Parker, yes. right? Yes, Played yes. both roles. That's why, That's you... why I confused yes. him. Yes. He yes. had that TV show. My grandfather used to watch it all the time. Daniel Boone was a man, was a big man. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. And, and he told the, the hatchet and would split the- With the guy. Oh, That's... You know who played uh, Mingo? Ed Ames. The famous Ed Ames and, and what did Ed, Dame, Ed Ames do on the Johnny Carson? The famous show? Tonight Show episode. Man. Yes, <laughs> he, they had a they had a he was he was going to throw a, 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 a hatchet. Yeah, and, right. and uh, they had a a board with an outline of a sheriff. Yeah, right. The, right. You know, he's there, and so he he threw the hatchet, and it went right perfectly at his crotch. Yeah, perfectly. And, and so, lands and so Ed Ames goes to take the, uh, the hatchet out. The, the, the and audience is going nuts. Says, oh, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. Audience going freaking and nuts. Says, and Johnny says, that's funny. I didn't know you were Jewish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the audience <roared. laughs> That's one of the funniest things ever on TV. Is because Ed Ames throws, he plays an Indian on the show, and I guess he's right. part of the he's part of the Ames brothers, which were a singing group. And well, that's right. Yeah. He's gonna sh- he's gonna show Johnny how to throw a tomahawk. That's what they <laughs> yeah. like. All right. It's because you go first, and he throws it, and and it just hit, and it, no one says anything for like two or three seconds, and then you hear people start laughing and stuff, and then the camera <laughs> zooms in on it. <laughs> And Ed Ames is mortified. Ed Ames walks over to pull up. Johnny says, no, 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 no. And they just laughed and laughed and laughed for like three minutes straight. And you and you see it, and you laugh along with them because it's so freaking funny. And he goes, I didn't know you were Jewish. Yeah. I, 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 wow. Wow. That was funny. That's funny. I don't know. That was one of those golden TV moments. Yeah, you weren't that, kidding. Uh... Wow, huh? So now we got to throw hatchets. And I talked to someone the other night who went to one of those bars that they throw axes in. Have you heard about this? No. I was going to no. bring that up. That's like a big thing where yeah. I am. And yeah. I, I'm i like, I really enjoy drinking. Do you want drunken people throwing I don't want to do or? stuff yeah. while I'm drinking, though. <laughs> no, that's a bad idea. Especially throw a friggin' axe. Yep. Well, they do it. They, there's a big pl- there's a place in Boston. They have an, um, you know, and, teams. And listen, and, as I'm called Switchblade. Is it a Scottish right? bar okay. or something? I, yeah. As someone who's called Switchblade. Go ahead. If I were, if I were inebriated. I wouldn't be doing anything with any kind of a sharp object. Uh, no, I actually no. don't too much with sharp objects anyway because it's one no. of those ironic nicknames. Yeah, like okay, th- well. those are really big where I am, and I see people all the time like, oh, we're at whatever. Here's my axe throwing, and I'm like, uh-huh. I just really like to drink my beer. Chill. And kind of judge people yes, and um, of course. just enjoy myself, <laughs> right, and talk, that's all I like to do. Talk about other people is the best thing yeah. you can do in a bar. Uh, one of the darts. Darts would be okay. See, for me, like, those are too sharp because I could see I would hurt someone. Mm. And an axe? Oh, forget I it. I know. An I'd axe. be on trial somewhere. Once you just have machine gun practice in the back of the bar, you know? I mean, it seems like a like crazy dart, thing to do. The dart throwing scene in the Hard Day's Night. Remember that? Yes. Well, all British people know how to throw darts. It's their, it's their ping pong. So anyway, so... Why don't we do this? Let's just um, tease what the show is about. I know that Switchy has a report. Uh, the second half report that we started last week on very large UFOs, right? Switchy? Wait a minute. Did we introduce Jocko or what? We introduced Jocko. We did? Jocko. Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Would you fall asleep, there? Didn't you have coffee? I must have. I don't know. I, I, talked, about, I talked about you one. one remember? You don't rem- right. You don't remember that? One one was astral projecting at that time. There he goes. Is that what you <laughs> call it? Sorry. Sorry. Um, so, Switchy, so uh, large UFOs, and then you have another? Uh, just a, a brief uh, 
report that reflects back to Joe Symington yes. and the cosmic pancakes from outer space. Yes. Yeah, so a little, man. little supplement to that. Now we're going to want pancakes. Uh, okay, Switchy. And then uh, Raven has uh, another cursed movie, right? Right. I do. I'm going to keep it a secret, though, until until my time has okay. come. Okay. Because I want to surprise you guys. Okay. We love surprises. So you know, I'll tell you what. And then uh, coming up later on, <laughs> because we're always talking about this subject, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening as far as UFOs are concerned, as far as the James Webb Telescope is concerned. Uh, mm. You know, the Chinese say that they've picked up you know signals from space. Uh, Google says it's created something artificial intelligence that has that now recognizes itself, which is not good. Um, so a lot of stuff is happening. Okay, and we ask this question a lot. Supposing if 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 we find out that there are aliens, where they come from, who knows? But if we can prove here they are, they land on the White House lawn, or whatever. What happens to religion? Because all the religions on Earth are based on Earth. Let's face it based on earthly things. So where does that put the world's religions if aliens, you know, land? So tonight we're going to have a uh, Franciscan brother on who's going to um, hopefully answer that question or help us understand it. He's also a great cook, a great chef. So that's why Draco said, when you have him on, you got to have me on, right? So you're going to talk about Italian food? Draco, are you ready? Certainly, yeah, I'd love to hear some. Okay, stuff. all right. So, what we're going to do is this: um, we have did I, a. Did I really? Did I really say it like that? Well, it's, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's my headphones. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. So, you're listening to Mac Maloney's Military X Files show here on the uh, Distant Thunder Radio Network. The whole gang will be right back. So, until you hear us next time, this is Mac Maloney for the entire gang saying, "Be safe, be happy, and bye bye." Okay, the show's over. Hey, Cobra, where are we going to eat tonight? Well, gentlemen, what do you feel like? Chinese, Italian, sushi? How about we go where they have the best hamburger in the world? And where would that be, one one? Only the Starboard Galley. Starboard Galley? They're a great seafood place, but they're in Newburyport, and we're in Exeter. But they're only 20 minutes away down Route 95, and believe me, they have the best hamburger in the world. Let's go. Okay, boys, license and registration. Where's the fire, you clowns going to the circus? We're in a hurry just to get the best hamburger in the world. And where's that, Pally? That's the Starboard Galley in Newburgh. The great seafood place? Yes, but they make a great hamburger, too. And they start with the best beef. Super fresh buns. Great toppings. Plus, it's only 20 minutes away from Exeter, 25 from Portsmouth. Not with a police escort, buddy. Light them up, Switchblade. Starboard Galley. They're here. That's the Starboard Galley, 55 Water Street, Newburyport. Great seafood and the best hamburger in the world. And tell them Juan once at you. I was in the hospital with my son for 18 months. When he got injured, I wasn't prepared, but I knew I had to be strong. When I was told about John's injury, I was in complete shock. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there. These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. For thousands of severely injured veterans, everyday life is filled with barriers. 
It was really the, the little things throughout the house. Counters that you can't roll up to. I had to drag my wheelchair down steps. I want to help, but he is so determined. At Homes for Our Troops, we build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access, roll-in showers, and automatic door openers that allow them to function independently and focus on their recovery and family. This house is freedom. It's hope. It's a new beginning. This house has given me my family back. To learn more, visit hfotusa.org. Hey, 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 Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. But very quickly, let me introduce the members of the gang over there across the portal. JJ is with us. Juan Juan. Hello, Mac. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. No Coco tonight, girls, but uh, Switchblade Steve is here. Switchy. Great to be here. Okay. Our uh, favorite good witch up in Sideways New York, Raven, is with us. Raven. Hello, my friends. Thanks for having me. Wow. And Jocko Johnson, I just had a, a, a clap of thunder right before I mentioned your name there, Jocko. Good or bad? Yeah, it's hap- happening down here, too. Jocko Johnson, way, way, way down so. Everything okay with you? Good. Happy to be here. Yeah. What kind of hat is that? It's my police hat. Okay. It's me, you ask me every week. Okay. All right, Jocko's the next NYPD. Uh, also joining us as our guest tonight is uh, Brother Paul Santoro. Let's clap them on, please. Hi. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. We're going to sweeten that up. You're welcome. And you are a Franciscan brother, right? Yes. I'm a uh, Franciscan friar of the First Order of St. Francis, OFM. Okay. All right. Uh, living in downtown Boston. At that uh, at that um, that nightclub that you people live in, because I was talking <laughs> off air about that time. We, you... live, in, we live in a... Uh, and a very large house is 32 friars who live in my, where I am. So that, we have a huge community, and we have a downtown shrine church, and that's our ministry. Mm-hmm. So we have masses and other uh, Catholic sacraments and a ministry center, primarily outreach to the uh, homeless and poor. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you do Excellent. a lot of good work in that, and I know about that, because, um, you know, we know off, uh, we know each other off here. But um, yep. when you cook that Thanksgiving dinner that year. How many people did you cook? Was that 40 people? Did I have that right? There were at least 40. Uh, I might say there were actually a few more. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was right. uh, all the friars and uh, quite a few members of my family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. That was quite, <laughs> that was quite a day. That was probably uh, about 12, 13 years ago, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, when we were invited, we said, yeah, let's go. And I just had this idea, like, we we're going to be all sitting in a table, like uh, Norman Rockwell painting or something. And we go in, and the bar's open, baby, and big screen TV. It was a lot of fun. That's one thing we, we do imbibe, I'll tell you that. Hmm. St. Francis said we should have a good time, so we like to have our drink. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So if wow. you want to be a mom, if you want to be a brother... There you go. Hey, listen, I did a, uh, I gave a talk once in a bar in Lakeland, Florida. 
Okay. It's called Theology on Tap. It was uh, probably the first it was the first time I actually gave a talk in a bar, uh, drinking a Corona. I thought that was kind of uh, yes. kind of outlandish, but I think Francis would have approved. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what was what was it on tap? What was that? Uh... It's called Theology on Tap. Theology on Tap. It's a, a program they have for young Catholics. Yes. And uh, they invite different speakers to come in on a, and to talk about whatever they ask us to talk about. At, I was talking about vocations. At a bar. You know, so it's held at a bar. Yep. Oh, and, man. Uh, so we take over the dance floor. This particular bar had a dance floor, and I sat right up there mm. on the stage on a stool, and I had my beer on the other stool and took questions from the audience and talked it was fun i've fun. Actually, actually done it several times but that was one of the most memorable ones i might have to rejoin if they're if they're holding services in bomb rooms now i must have missed that oh, memo yeah. so hey, what, listen what was some Francis of the questions to go where the people are yeah what was some That's of the right. questions what what questions stuck out like where are my chicken wings or something well i was i was thinking what the other people in the bar were thinking so they have this uh man there dressed in a 13th century habit so normally I wear a brown robe with a, a hood. Yes. And so that's what I wore at the bar uh, that night. And um, so the other patrons there are probably wondering, who is this man? Yes. <laughs> so maybe they were eavesdropping a little bit too and heard something about you know what I had to say about the Franciscans and vocations. So. Mm. Wow. The next one I did was in Winter Haven, Florida. Uh -uh. And that was actually uh, outdoors in a patio, uh, the bar. We were up the outside the patio. Mm -hmm. Same kind of venue, yeah. Okay, so just just, just yeah, let me I get this it. straight. You're you're <laughs> giving religious talks in bar rooms, right? Is that? Yeah, there you go. Wow. I went from the classroom to the bar room. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, I, I love it. I do too. Well, so Jesus much. went where prostitutes were, didn't he? He sure no. did. <laughs> yeah, some of his best friends. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Okay. All right. You, you I had, go I had the is. Go ahead, Jocko. I had I had Franciscans teaching me in high school throughout high school. Yes. Oh, really? and, and yeah. some of the same ones I had had beat the snot out of my uncles and, and you know, other people in my Discipline. family years ago. Discipline. Ugly, but those uh, white ropes with them three knots, boys, you guys <laughs> got to show me how to get one. You got that right, yeah. Thank God those days are over, though, I have to say. Really? Huh. Damn, I caught that in the back of my head a few times. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I taught for about eighteen years, and I never, I never beat anybody with the cord. No, oh. one of my, my law, mind you, that's good. My law teacher knew me because he said, "Didn't I knock your uncle out in the hallway at whatever Saint somebody school in Brooklyn?" So oh. I don't know. It's a law. I wasn't born, so I'll ask him. That's sure funny. enough, it was the same guy. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. I don't know how much we're doing for um, the Catholic Church tonight, recruitment-wise, but let's. <laughs> well, we all grew up perfect, man. Okay. So, right. so that was did. a different. That was a different time. A different kind time. of change, thank That's God. Right. You, know. you know what, brother? When I came down here, a lot of the folks, a Baptist, whatever, they would say, you know, you got to get born again, and you'll realize the light and all this. And I said, hmm. no, I'm not born again. I I got it right the first time. There you go. Wow, <laughs> Jocko. I don't need to do it again. Doing material. <laughs> so anyway. So we, so, uh, Brother Paul, I, I uh, thank you for coming on. We've talked about this a few times off here. And what we have been talking about, like for the past year or so, the, um, the U.S. government uh, has kind of been more upfront about UFOs, what they are, what they might be. They've actually, like, impaneled uh, this uh, congressional unit that is supposedly looking into them, looking into different videos that the military have of these things flying around. 
And they are just doing more, the government and the military, are doing more in the past two or three years than they've done in the past 60 years about being upfront about UFOs. We don't know what they are, but we're looking into them type of thing. So there are other things that are happening, too. Uh, this James Webb telescope, where, you know, the, the photographs were revealed this week. And um, this thing is just like this really fantastic thing that could very well find life on other planets. It has uh, instruments in it that can detect uh, emissions in the atmospheres of these exoplanets way the hell out there. And if they find carbon dioxide or stuff like that, that would kind of indicate that there are emissions, that there are things down there burning on a regular basis, then, you know, there's some kind of civilization down there. So the question is, um, when, every time we have this discussion, not just us, but it's been like this for years, is if aliens did come down, if aliens like landed on the front lawn of the White House, got out and said, here we are, we're from here, there, everywhere, we're just not from here, how does that affect people's faith in religion? Because all religions are based, you know, obviously on Earth. They're relative to Earth. So what happens well, it's an interesting question, and uh, let me just preface my comments by saying I am not an expert, okay? None of so us I are. Don't worry. You're huh? in good company. You're in good company. None of us are. <laughs> I could just share, you know, some ideas that I might have uh, and some mm -hmm. opinions, but uh, yes, please. anyhow, uh, so uh, if alien uh, creatures should, should end up here on the earth, uh, I think, number one, the Catholic Church would not be surprised, mm. okay? I think there's a couple of schools of thought uh, in the Catholic Church. One is, uh, of course, that God created this earth and then that was it. And then God's creation um, was completed and we continue to recreate the earth as we go through our lives. But there are others who believe that there could potentially be life on other planets. I think those questions were um, explored way back when, like maybe in around the 13th century, huh? Uh, Thomas Aquinas actually entertained the possibility of life uh, outside the earth. That was for some time ago. And there have been other, some, some other great theologians, uh, some Jesuit uh, priests and brothers and Dominicans, who also explored uh, the possibility of life on other earth, on other planets, rather. So the question is, is uh, what does that mean for our faith? Well, interestingly, uh, Pope Francis, I read an article not long ago, Pope Francis said that if a, if someone asked him if a UFO landed in uh, St. Peter's Square mm -hmm. while he was delivering a uh, talk, and aliens uh, should emerge from the ship, and they came to him and said, we want to be baptized, what would you do? Mm. And Pope Francis says, I baptize them. <laughs> and he says... Uh, he would do that because all are welcome uh, in the church. I'm not totally surprised at that answer because, and I'm not sure many people know this, and um, but I just found it out, but the Vatican actually has an observatory in they Arizona, do. on a mountain in Arizona. And it's it's very hush-hush, very hush-hush. Um, they have a, a large telescope there. It's been there for a long time. It's it's you know They really kind of keep it under the radar. But they do. Mm -hmm. And I think there might be another one in Italy. I'm not sure. But that's one thing about the Catholic Church is that this is something they've been in on. Now, when you said St. Thomas Aquinas first brought it up many years ago, I'm not surprised. But, you know, this is something they've been kind of interested in, right? Would you say? Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, just look at that whole Galileo story, huh? Mm -hmm. When uh, 
he was condemned by the church for his teaching that the uh, sun revolves, that the earth revolves around the sun. And the church had taught for years that um, it was the sun that revolved around the earth. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yes. Yep. Um, so he was condemned for years until they finally accepted his teaching, right? And they had to backtrack and uh, apologize for basically tell him he was anathema and to go to hell mm-hmm. because of his teaching. So the church has always had an interest in science. Right, yeah. And I think, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, the church's position is let science do their science. <laughs> you know, and if science informs theology as it does, then that's wonderful. And then I think theology is there to also... Um, uh, uh, be sure that what comes to us scientifically follows the norms of uh, what theology has taught uh, through the generations. Now, um, a lot of times, so yeah, I mean, huh? that's that's me doing that. Okay. A lot of times, when we have discussions like this on on the show, uh, what I guess we'll bring up is that the government, the government, the U.S. government or whatever, is afraid to let people in on what UFOs are, whether aliens do exist or don't exist, because they're, they're afraid that religion would break down, therefore society, civilization would break down. And this is, again, it's not a new idea. Do, do mm-hmm. you see anything like that happening? Any possibility of something like that happening? Well, I, 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 anything is possible, right? I mean, because uh, in Christianity, there are many different denominations and uh, the different denominations uh, all uh, worship uh, in the way that they worship. Uh, their theologies may differ, um, you know, about uh, how to understand the Bible, how to interpret the Bible, et cetera, things like that. But uh, I think the Catholic position would be uh, one of welcome. Um, yeah. We have always, uh, I think I said this already, we have relied on science to teach us um, whatever new discoveries that they come up with. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the Catholic Church has accepted those. So, and I think even if we go with the current Pope, I think we're safe to say that the Catholic faith, as we know it, would not uh, be in jeopardy, but rather would be one of welcome. Right. I don't want to cast dispersions on any other faith, but there may be some, particularly uh, ultra-conservative or traditional um, uh, Catholics and or Christian um, Mm -hmm. entities that may have a difficulty with it because, you know, many feel that uh, what was said and done in the Bible 2,000 years ago is said and done. Right, yes, sure. Uh, But that's not the reality of faith. I mean, faith is constantly changing. You know, faith is a living thing. And as such, uh, living things change, um, they become, they, uh, and so does faith. I mean, faith changes, mm-hmm. I mean, faith becomes. Uh, the more we know about uh, our world, uh, the better it informs our faith and how we, uh, how we live that faith out. Have you ever seen a UFO? I have not. Do you believe in them? Uh, I don't know if I do. I, I don't know how to answer that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one. I really haven't given it a whole lot of thought. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I, I don't know. We're talking to Brother Paul Santoro, who's joined us tonight to tell us, um, you know, the religious side of a question that we ask a lot is that if aliens actually came down to Earth someday, um, you know, what would that mean for the Earth's religions? And, um, yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I'm hoping that it's as... Um, peaceful and orderly uh, if something like that happens, you know? I mean, because there is a lot of, there are a lot of studies that it might be just like, you know, the Europeans coming to 
America, and you know, you have a cultural change that just um, that seems to be the way history goes. Maybe it'll be different this time. But anyway, so we've talked about this. Now we're going to talk about Italian cooking because the other thing that you're very good at, uh, you're very good at. Uh, uh, more up, that's more up my alley, Brian. Getting, 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 people, back. Um, getting people to uh, sign up in the Catholic Church through bar rooms. I love that idea. But uh, you are also a a you're a chef. You're, you're more than a cook. Well. People say that, but I always say I'm a cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't trained as a chef. That was my first question. Uh, I was self-taught as a cook, and uh, but I can put a meal together. Yes, yes, no doubt about it. I love doing it. Yeah. So, so this is are these, um, you know, because I know uh, the lovely Lois Lane has a bunch of your recipes. Are these things that are, are, are passed down, you know, generational things, or do you just kind of throw it together? Well, I have to say, I watched uh, my mother and my grandmother cook when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember as young as high school, um, you know, I was reading through cookbooks and I used to watch, uh, you know, Julia Child and other cooking shows. Yes. So I was experimenting in the kitchen as young as uh, probably 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't get to do a whole lot of cooking back then. Um, but of course, when I moved out of the house around 21 and uh, got my own place, uh, of course, I had to cook for myself. Yes. And uh, I experimented a lot. And I used to have dinner parties and what have you. So, and then um, when I joined the Friars, I had many opportunities to cook. Yes. I don't hear an archery because we have, uh, you know, two uh, chefs who take very good care of us here. Wow. Uh, but in other Friaries I lived in, uh, we prepared our own meals. Uh, so, yes, I cooked, I cooked quite a bit. And I've also done large parties. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Florida, most, uh, let's say I was in Florida for about nine years, and I was in Georgia too for two years. And while I was down there, I cooked for large groups of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, the Council of Catholic Women would have their opening dinner uh, every uh, fall, and uh, I would go and prepare the meal for them. So, I'd be cooking upwards of 40, 50 people. Wow, wow. Uh, I cooked wow. volunteer dinners for up to 60, 70 people. I mean, so uh, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I like to have a sous chef with me, though, to help do some of the chopping and what have you. <laughs> it yes, yes. gets a little hairy. But, um, but yeah, I love doing it. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, gift to have. Mm. Which, you know, the gift of food, particularly being Italian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love to feed people and we love to see people eat, you yes. know, I mean, that's part of my heritage. Well, and so uh, I really enjoy sharing that with people. You know, I, I consider cooking an art. Huh? It really is. Hmm. Uh, when you get down to it, it's really an art what you can do with food and spices and yeah. things like that. It's really a lot of fun. It's a well, lot you, of fun to do. You've seen yeah. me eat. So, uh, but, but all right. So if you had to make one meal, I mean, 10 people, what would it be? I have to tell you this, my favorite, favorite meal to eat and to cook is a basic gravy. Mm. Uh, some people call it sauce, sauce right. with meatballs, yes. sausage, pork chops, oh, country-style man. Ribs, yeah, ribs, and then some nice angel hair pasta yeah, to put under it. That's my oh. favorite meal to cook and to eat. Yeah, yeah, man. That's just the plain old good stuff. That's it. It just like sticks to your ribs and makes yep. you feel like... Back at home again with mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or my grandmom in Charlestown. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Charlestown, great, yeah. Yeah, see, yeah, yep. that's that's where I grew up on the weekends, my friend. 
Uh, oh, wonderful. Draco. Yes. So now Draco is the Catania also, family, as a matter of fact. He's yeah. He's 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 half Italian, half Irish, half Filipino, and half something else. We don't know. He's four. Halves. <laughs> four halves. Hey, Draco. Hi, Draco. All the good stuff. Draco is also <laughs> uh, uh, Italian uh, cook slash chef. Ex. NYPD. So if you're going to do him, what are you going to do? What's he, Paul? He has stuff delivered to him from Brooklyn to his front door down in South Carolina because he knows uh, so, he knows so many people. That. You can't find the stuff in South right. Carolina. Right, oh, exactly. Because I, I just had some brajol sent. And, oh, uh, yes. Uh, my grandmother used to make them. Where you know she would cut the salt pork up and with cheese and garlic yeah. and parsley mm-hmm. and stuff that in the middle and you know tie them up. Sure. And and uh, nobody can get the parts here. I can't get all the parts. Explain you know? what brajol is. Chain difficulty. Explain what it is, please. What is brajol? It's a it's it's a piece of beef usually. Yep. You could make it with pork, but we always had it in beef. Mm-hmm. It was like a flank steak or a, you know a piece of nice uh, fillet. They would chop it up Go and ahead. you know make it very thin and yes. wide. Yes. Uh, then you take salt pork, chop that up. I mean, it's like butter, you know, yep. it's pork fat. Go ahead. Like you put, like you put a sausage, garlic, some great uh, like locatelli, uh, pecorino romano cheese, <laughs> some fresh garlic, olive oil, a little bit of parsley, Italian parsley. Chop that up, Killing throw me. it in there, yep. and tie it up. Now, it's Sicilian not, oh, okay. people would like to put uh, pine nuts in it, which are great. Yep. I don't care, but normally we didn't do that. Yep. And uh, you just tie them up in these little bags of heaven and yep. you throw them in that gravy oh. and let it cook for like four hours oh. with the other stuff he talked about, mm. which is exactly how we do it. Mm. Mm. Let me ask Paul a question. Paul, do you know what chicken in pajamas is? Do I know what what is? Chicken in pajamas. I do not. Tell chicken in pajamas, he's saying. Go ahead. Chicken palm. Short for chicken parmesan. Chicken palm. Chicken, chicken palm. Chicken oh, pajamas. chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. I never heard it called chicken in pajamas, though. Yeah. In Brooklyn, me and my buddies and on the job, we'd always, you know, when you go into a place and they'd be like, what do you need, guys? Ah, uh, give me a veal palm here. Or give me a, my partner started saying, how about a, a veal and pajamas? And they were like, what? Yeah, ch- veal, veal and palm, chicken and oh, palm. That's funny. And then before you knew it, all the cops knew it. And then every time they went out to buy, that's what they would ask. So when you went into a place, they knew what you were talking about. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, it took like ten years, but we got it. We got the word out. Wow. You know, that's so that's funny. what we called it. Never called. We we came down here. I had a cook off. He made me have this cook off with a Charles, a chef, um, a chef from downtown Charleston who was yes. making um, shrimp scallopini and uh, mm. shrimp scampi. I'm sorry, scampi. shrimp scampi. And I had learned how to make it from a restaurant in Brooklyn called Carol and Carol Gardens called Monty's. Yes. And they're still there. They were there for about 150 years. All the mobsters ate there and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> now, listen, when you uh, get the food the way they had at home. When you get those so meals. I went up against this. My, my partner had this big barbecue. I went up against this chef. Not only did I kill the guy, but he begged me to give him the recipe so he could make <laughs> it at his restaurant. I was like, no problem. You won. As long as, as long as it's not my grandma's recipe, I give it to him. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, when you went into those for those meals, did you always pay them and tip them heavily? Absolutely paid and absolutely dead. All right. That's his story. Of course. You know Stick that. Stick to it. Hey, listen, Paul. I, actually, I tipped more than it cost. Uh, that I believe. Uh, Paul, thank you for joining us tonight. Do you have to? Well, thank, you for, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Giving us an expert opinion on it. And uh, uh, Brother Paul, let's clap him off once, please. All right. Thank you. It's for God. Have a good night. Thank you, Paul. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Paul, very much. Thank you. Good night. Made me hungry, too. Okay, bye. We're going to take a commercial break now. We'll be right back after this. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? 
Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Phantom Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Ong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. British Secret Service. Hello, Money Peggy. Hello, 007. How's your mission to steal the secret sex formula from Dr. No No going? It'll be going fine, except for the two idiots headquarters shit with me. Hey, Mac, did Defolo Krumpus just call us idiots? Yes, he did, Juan Juan. He's an ungrateful putz. Nice car, though. Yeah, and you know what? Now it's my turn. But if you drive, what am I going to do? I'll drive, you shoot the machine guns. So no way, I'm driving. Drive it just have a license for you and I'm driving. Oh, see what I mean, Money Penny? But James, we have to get the stolen formula, Dr. No-No, before the big two-for-one sale. I'm on it, Money Penny, but I've got to rid myself of these two mush mouths first. What? Uh-huh. I still have the red button, don't I? James, not the red button. Cobra, save us! Hello, gentlemen. And you, Mr. Pond. Oh, my God. That commander Cobra? Jumping from a helicopter through the shadow roof of my Ashton Martin? Well played, Cobra. What are you doing here? Besides rescuing my two friends, James, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to steal the cardio sex formula from Dr. No-No. All you have to do is go online and order it yourself. Then you'll have plenty of the new energy drink that can give you the extra endurance you need to get through. Please, Cobra, tell us why it's called sex. It's called SEX for Strength Energy Accelerator. And it's easy to use. Just mix a scoop of water, shaken, not stirred. 30 minutes before you start your workout, and you'll find you can last longer and feel all around better about finishing your regime. Oh, my. And the mix comes in many different flavors. My favorite is passion fruit. Mine, too. Why, you little trollop. Hey, Mac, look at all these buttons. I wonder what they do. I don't know. Push one and find out. Not, not the, the red, red one. No! Geez, I hope he's wearing his rocket belt. Guess not. That's SEX Workout Dietary Supplement, available only through Cardillo USA. Visit CardilloUSA.com for more details about our big two-for-one sale. That's C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O-U-S-A.com and get some sex today. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military our Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney, and uh, we're here with the gang. A little confused, but here we are. We, we just went back in time, seriously. Juan Juan is here. He's sticking with us, folks. Juani. 
I'm, I'm going into extra innings. Extra innings. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Luckily, you're not the Red Sox because that's when they get their heads beaten in. But anyway. Oh, <laughs> they're lucky any of the pitchers last three innings. Uh, they're, uh, they're a disgrace as usual. No Coco tonight. <laughs> uh, but uh, Switchblade Steve is with us. Switch. Great to be here. Okay. Everything sounds good with Switch. He reported earlier. Jo- oh, Draco Johnson is also with us, a Deep South correspondent. Good to be on the roll call. And saving the best and last is our friend, a good friend, a good witch up there in Sideways New York. Raven is with us, Raven. Oh, hello. I'm here. <laughs> oh, Raven, you're so awesome. Wow. <laughs> Actually, a, the lighting on her is she has really a good tonight. now. Yeah, the oh, lighting is better now because I shut my blinds. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. sacrificing my, my poor plants need light, but I That's mean, the lighting on my face is let better. Them, so, let them uh, yeah. tough it out. Uh, she has yeah, a, those plants, so they'll just have to deal with it. It's kind of like a, a, a Meet the Beatles uh, look shading yeah, going on there, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So thanks uh, for joining us. Everything's good with you. I, I can't. Uh, I can't help think that we actually had a top ten list that we didn't do tonight, but it was top ten reasons Raven gets mad at Mac. <laughs> I I can't wait to hear that list. I'm yeah. so looking forward to it. <laughs> Yeah, now the, I might I might rethink it. Let's put it that way. But anyway, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And um, I've introduced me. everybody. So um, you have a report tonight now. I was listening to last week's show, Cursed Movies. Okay? I mean, there's a lot of them around, as it turns out. I'm amazed that any of them get made. I'm amazed any movie gets made. But a cursed movie getting made is, you know, you have to go the extra mile. So what is the movie tonight? You were keeping it a secret until now. I'm keeping it a secret till now because it is a heavy hitter and I'm only doing one movie tonight. Um, we are going to be talking about The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. I thought that was a, that definitely deserves its What's own that growing all about, Max? What, no, <laughs> no. Now, one, right? one, one is glad he uh, hung around. Say I that love again. that movie. Yes. Oh, to- Tarantino's Toto is included. <laughs> okay. Right. Toto, okay, go ahead. Yeah, so The Wizard of Oz, okay, made in the late 30s. Judy Garland was in it. Allegedly, she was hopped up the entire time. They had a lot of problems with the little people. Uh, they had a lot of problems with the production. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. it's a classic for some it, reason. It's, people, it's a it's a pretty big mess um, when you get into it. So yeah, uh, this was produced by MGM. Uh, this was released in 1939, and the film actually had four directors before it was finally finished by Victor Fleming. They just kept firing directors. Yeah, nuts. Which, to me is like, that's a really bad sign, but yes, whatever, you know, I guess it's not my business. Um, so the plot uh, for any of the youths out there uh, follows Dorothy played by Judy Garland. Uh, she gets swept away uh, to the magical world of Oz after a tornado uh, rips through her Kansas home. So MGM went ham on producing this film. Uh, spending $3 million in total, which is about $55 million today. Uh, and they did not give a single about their casting crew. So on paper, the film was a gigantic success, winning two Academy Awards and launching Judy Garland into stardom uh, for her rendition of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. But I'm not talking about The Wizard of Oz for nothing. It is believed that it is a cursed film. Hmm. Uh so the first thing I just want to get out of the way is the rumor that an actor who played a munchkin hung himself on set. Um, <laughs> while this is very messed up and yes. I, 
because it's such a colorful film, it's not something that you want to think about. Yes. It's definitely, you know, it adds to the creep factor. It didn't happen. Okay. Uh, The scene in question, um, Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, I'm sorry, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow are skipping along. They're singing their little song. And in the background, you can see what appears to be a dark shadow um, kind of in between the trees. Um, This figure is a bird. Uh, that was actually brought in from the Los Angeles Zoo to create a wilderness sound effect. Um, And in the uh, remastered version of the film, you can clearly see a large bird-like creature that's actually, you can see it moving and you can see that it, it, the, when the lighting uh, changes on the stage, you can clearly see a bird. Um, Mm. But if you want to wear tinfoil about it, that's totally fine. You can absolutely do that. Um, so now we're going to get into the, the real nitty gritty. Um, so many accidents, uh, bad costume and makeup choices, and a lot of non-consenting drug use. Um, so Other than that. It's, it's real bad. Uh, so Buddy Ebsen, uh, who was actually originally cast to play the Scarecrow, was switched to star as the Tin Man last minute. Uh, Ebsen was hospitalized after 10 days of filming due to an adverse reaction from the aluminum dust makeup used on his skin. Uh, MGM demanded that Ebsen return to the set to continue filming, but he was physically unable to do so. So as a result, he was fired from the film. Uh, this is right, because didn't of... did he almost of, die from that? Yes, because of makeup that they put on right. him. Yep, just, just so we're clear. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, so Ebsen was replaced by actor Jack Haley, uh, and the makeup department in turn switched to an aluminum paste rather than the dust that made Ebsen sick. But Haley also suffered at the hands of MGM. His costume was so stiff that he was unable to bend in order to sit between takes. So the studio made him use a leaning board uh, so that he could rest, quote, quote unquote, rest. Um, and more importantly, to not destroy the costume. Uh, also, although Ebsen was replaced, his voice remains on the soundtrack when the group sings We're Off to See the Wizard, as it was already recorded uh, before he fell ill, and they just didn't even bother to re-record it. To me, that's some bad, that's some bad juju. Uh, if you're going to replace someone, everything should be, should be new. That's just me. Um, so we're going to go on to the Wicked Witch of the West, uh, played by Margaret Hamilton, and her stunt double, played by Betty Danko. They were both badly burned during filming. Danko sustained burns to her legs after the prop broom she was sitting on exploded from underneath her, leaving her legs scarred and disfigured. Hamilton received second-degree burns to her wow. face and... Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. Second degree burns to her face and third degree burns to her hands when a trap door failed to open. Um, And this scene is actually on YouTube. You can watch it Um, in the scene. The pyro is ignited too soon. And the trap door that Hamilton should have already been dropped down in was opened much too late. So when the burst of flames goes up, she's all the way in it. Um, The makeup department had to rush to try to get as much of the green makeup off of her hands and face um, as they could due to its toxicity. Um, Hamilton returned to the set after six weeks of recovery, but refused to work with Pyro 
uh, any further. And she had to wear green gloves to shoot her remaining scenes as they were unable to use makeup on her burns. The worst thing about this is that Hamilton had already performed this stunt and she did it flawlessly. Uh, But director Victor Fleming demanded another take, which clearly did not go to plan. Um, Several of the actors playing flying monkeys were badly injured when the piano wire used to suspend them in the air just snapped and they just fell. Uh, Ray Bulger, who played the scarecrow, that scarecrow is my favorite character, BTW. Um, He was left with deep lines on his face for over a year after filming um, due to the bad prosthetics that were used to make him appear more scarecrow-like. Um, it was basically a, I mean, plastic isn't even the right word, but some type of an acrylic mask. And it was so like an N95 almost that just uh, cut into a skin. Um, the Cowardly Lion, played by Burt Lair, uh, had to wear a costume. This is very upsetting. He had to wear a costume made from real lion hide. Um, the set was so hot due to the bright lights needed in order to film in Technicolor that many of the crew fainted numerous times and Lair was constantly in danger of overheating, not to mention the weight of the costume he was wearing was almost a hundred pounds. Um, 16 year old Judy Garland, uh, had a rough time on set as well. Studio heads, along with her own mother, would regularly drug her with stimulants so she would stay up for 72-hour shoots, then give her sleeping pills when she wasn't needed on set. Garland was also kept on a strict diet of coffee, chicken soup, and cigarettes so that she wouldn't gain any weight. On top of that, she dealt with abuse at the hands of Fleming and other studio bigwigs who liked to slap her across the face and scream at her in between takes. Um, It was also said that she was sexually assaulted by several studio heads throughout filming. And sadly, many of the actors who played the munchkins have been accused of assaulting Garland throughout the years, which she always denied in interviews, Mm. but it's continuously brought up. Um, Thankfully, the group of four main cast members, uh, just to reiterate, Dorothy, Tin Man, Cowardly Lion, and the Scarecrow were very, very close Um, And they, uh, the three men, they did their best to be there for Judy um, and to kind of protect her. Uh, I feel like they were kind of like her big brothers in a sense. Um, They they really were very close. Uh Um, So even uh, poor Toto, uh, played by a female, I believe this is pronounced Karen. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Karen, Karen, I think. Karen? Okay. A Karen Terrier. a female dog uh, named Terry was not safe on this set. Um, An actor playing one of the Wicked Witch of the West soldiers accidentally jumped on top of the dog, resulting in a sprained foot. Um, A double was brought in, but the OG Toto was able to return to work after a few weeks. Um, And just in case, you know, toxic makeup, drugs, fire, just in case that's not enough to kind of make you go, hmm, something's... Mm. Something's not right here. Let's talk about what is possibly the most dangerous prop that was used on this entire set. Uh, Pure asbestos chrysotile chrysotile fibers. Asbestos was used. Asbestos. Um, Straight up asbestos. 
Um, so in the poppy scene where the Wicked Witch casts a spell causing the group to fall asleep. Yes. Glenda casts a counter spell that wakes them up um, using, quote unquote, snow. Uh, That begins to fall and the group slowly wakes up. Um, But what is falling on them is actually asbestos. And it's it's all over them. It's in their hair. It's on their clothes. And you can even see it get in their mouth. And this is also available on YouTube. I definitely encourage you to watch it. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Wizard of Oz, and I watched all these videos, and yes. I'm, I'm looking at it horrified. But it it really doesn't change the to me. It doesn't change like the magic that was Wizard of Oz when uh, I was a kid. Well, they were, they were safe from the fire after that, right? I mean, I guess if the fire and the asbestos were happening at the same time, it would be a little mm-hmm. different. But you know, they were happening simultaneously, so well, it's probably even, fine. I always thought there was something sinister about the lollipop guild. <laughs> really yeah uh, really those bastards yeah huh and and yeah. let me tell you the lullaby league yeah yeah right keep an eye on them <laughs> they're they're so shady i have two questions um, but go ahead please yeah go ahead well, for, oh i i have ahead. one one thing and then i'm done go um i do want to end this on like a lighter note um since it is a rough one and i just think this is this is something nice that you guys will appreciate um, so Ray Bulger was the last of the four main characters to pass away in 1987. Okay. Um, and before him, Jack Haley passed away in 1979. Bulger gave a eulogy at Haley's funeral. And at the end, he said, quote, Jack, it's going to be very lonesome on the yellow brick road now. Mm. Isn't that like the sweetest thing That's ever? Sweet. It's That's sweet. very nice. I, it, I have like chills all over. Um, so like final thoughts for me is cursed film from the start mm-hmm. or a series of just really terrible accidents and bad decisions that that's kind of where I'm leaving this. Yes. To me, it kind of seems like a mixture of both, but I, I definitely want to hear what you guys think. And I'm so sorry, Matt, go right ahead. No, I was just going to say that. Well, as you said earlier, when you have four directors on a movie, that is just like, you know, I, I'm amazed that the movie ever came out, you know, because they just, it's ever? like it's like firing exactly. the coach of your team, you know, and you had to do it four times. So, you know, it's going to be a disaster. So. When it came out, it, it it was not a hit. It wasn't a big hit. Did it did it become a hit because they showed it on TV starting in the sixties or something? It was a very big hit, and then they did a re-release in the fifties. I want to say mm-hmm. that just escalated the popularity. Wow. But it was off the bat. It was a huge success. Was it really? Huge. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Wow. What from so from a mess? You know, they came up. You know, gold. The same year as Gone with the Wind. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's a funny movie to watch. And so the other question I have is, so you were talking about the soldiers, right? The the, uh, the uh, bad witches, soldiers, those monkeys that fly. Now, are they monkeys? Mm-hmm. Are they monkeys or are they humans? Are those humans? And, <laughs> humans in costume. Are they yes. really? Man, look at some of them. Yeah. I, I, I was looking at the prosthetics today because I was... I always go back over my stuff before I present it. And I was looking at YouTube videos because I haven't seen this movie since I was probably six at this point. Oh. And I'm like, wow, like from just looking at it, it looks like they use good prosthetics. Yes. But you got to figure, I mean, if, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? 
Bulger, yes. for the scarecrow, yep. if he had indents on his face for that long, I mean, what what did they suffer? Yeah, they right. Yeah, yeah. Stars of the film, they probably gave them absolute crap. Right. So, so there's a scene where I mean, the scene where the the monkeys take off flying and the, and that that yeah. tune comes. That's a great scene. That's scary. It but is. Before that, when she's doing whatever she's doing, there's like her, her a couple of her kind of head mon- flying monkeys are in the scene with her, and they're kind of jumping around and stuff on the table. I'm yeah. going, those they're like real chimps here, but. So those are people. What are they? Kids? I think so. Wow, man, that is amazing. I didn't come across anything that said that real animals were used. Yeah, uh, as far as monkeys, birds were definitely used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's very possible that kids were used because, as far as the Munchkins are concerned, there was a ten-year-old that was cast as a Munchkin. Oh man, who is apparently still alive today. So it's not. Wow. I, I mean, it's definitely possible. I, I didn't, I didn't come across any of that in my research. But okay. if somebody wants to dig deeper than me, then go right ahead and then let me know. You know, Mac, maybe they were children that were lost in the wild, raised by apes, yes. rescued, and they thought, hey, they'll be great for this movie. And right to Hollywood. They're perfect actors. You don't even need to train them. And you know they, they know their marks. They know their lines. <laughs> you know what the, the best part of that movie is? Is when Toto escapes the witch's castle. For the drawbridge. Oh, oh yeah, right, right. How do they teach that? That's another question. That friggin' dog is in almost <laughs> every scene, and it how, how do you do yeah, there's that? There's no standing dog. I there's don't no, think. no. I, I mean, there's, there's the same dog, right? The dog is always the, I, they're running, they're they singing, they're jumping. Different ones. Oh, they did really, yeah. But how? They're how do two? they get okay. that dog to pay attention two, like yeah. that? It's amazing, amazing. I mean, you know, they're they're singing and dancing and running along the Yellow Brook Road, and the dog is always with them. It's like he's jumping with them, and it's it's an amazing. It's an amazing performance by the dog, but so uh, that's interesting. Terriers are amazing dog. Is that it was? That dog looks just like my Lucia. And the, <laughs> well, you say yeah, that in such it, a dripping yeah, way. Yorkie. Um, the movie is cool in a way that it starts off as black and white, and then yes. they go to Oz and it becomes color. Now the the tornado that they use is actually a nylon stocking with right. air blowing through it, but it looks like real. But when you get to Oz and everything is in color, that's yeah, that's almost that's like a genius moment. You know what I mean? Because that's it, especially the, back in those days. Yeah, it was like the late thirties. Wow. And know? it's magical. Like magical is the perfect word for it because everything is mm-hmm. kind of yep. dreary, Kansas. You know, with the dust field, uh, dust bowl, and all that stuff. And boom! Now it's this. You know? Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I, when it's on, I watch it. Jocko, Jocko. When's the last time you saw Wizard of Oz? Uh, probably when I was about 16, 17. Oh, come on. Come on. You were. <laughs> really. I mean, Tell us the truth. It, but I wouldn't yeah. watch it all the time. Okay. Because I've seen it so many times. Okay. But I want to know is what <laughs> happened to all these poor people that sucked up that asbestos? How many of them dead. died of lung disease? The dead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't so know. No ocean. How, was there, how no. was there union back then? I don't no think there was one. The, the actors did not have a union. Wow. The only yeah. people that had a union were the crew. They had a union. Actors were not protected at all. Hmm. So uh, Burt Lair, I believe he died in 1967. And then Jack Haley followed him in 79. And Bulger followed him in 87. Wow. Um, and I mean, like none of their deaths were, you know, contributed to like the asbestos or anything. It just, I, but old, I don't think it helped. No, right? it didn't help. I mean, yeah. come on. If, 
it's it's in your it's on your skin. How about the you know? uh, the movie you did last week of John Wayne? They 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 filmed that out where they did the uh, a yeah. bomb tests, and all those yep. people. Look at what happened to them. So. Yeah, no the Geiger ocean. counter. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. There's that's a long crazy. list of people in Hollywood that filmed that day that died from cancer like that. Hmm. Yep. So I, I can't I can't imagine that it, it wasn't a contributing factor. It's just not something that people talk about, which might be because I mean, especially when you figure uh the actress that played um the Wicked Witch of the West, yes. uh, Margaret Hamilton. Yes. When she sustained those burns, mm-hmm. she she recovered, thankfully came back and she said I can't sue them because I'll never work another day in my life. Oh yeah. 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 And I think that was the mentality back then was that, you know, I, I can't even say that what they're doing is harmful to me because then no one else will hire me and Mm. then I won't make any money. Yeah. 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 Like what an upsetting way to think about like how you make your money. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got away with a lot of stuff back then. I mean, like a really lot of stuff, you know. Um, they sure did. <laughs> hey, Juan, Juan, when's, when's the last time you saw The Wizard of Oz? Last month, probably, right? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe 20 years ago. Really, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, I can't. I know the kids have seen it a number of times. Every time it came on TV, usually around the holidays, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Between uh, Thanksgiving. We used to see it in black and white. We had I had no idea yeah. that it changed the color oh, wow. for years. Really? Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole idea. That's back in the olden days. Yeah. <laughs> back in my day, we didn't back have color Back in TV. like the, the 80s. We, we had a yes. we had a hand crank on the side of our TV set. To make <laughs> really? <it work>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I, I told my <laughs> I told my kids that Congress had to pass a law that everything we actually saw it in black and white. Every the whole United <laughs> States, everything was in black and white. And that until that law was passed, then everything was in color. You know wow, what's huh? so funny? When I was a kid, because I used to watch movies like Wizard of Oz, um, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I don't know whatever other movies are in black and white, and I was like. Wow. So when did people start seeing things in color? Like I didn't connect those dots that it was film and not like Mm. someone's vision. And for the longest time, I, and my, my parents never corrected me because, you know, I was the the one that, that didn't go to Catholic school. They, they didn't care about me oh, that wow. way. Oh, wow. You're the so lucky one. Go ahead. I went, I went to public school. Good for you. So yes, they, same here. They, they, were, they were, I was like, well, when, when did the, when do you stop seeing in black and white and switch yes. to color? It just never connected for me. Wow. You know, it's funny. You know, when, you know, when life became color for me, this is off the subject, is when the Beatles came out. To me, everything was black and white until then, you know? Not that we had a color TV, but all of a sudden, everything was bright. Do you know what I mean? That's how I kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, look for, back for on me, it. For you know? me, it was when Grandma and Grandpa, they just lived 10 houses down the street, got a color TV. Well, that too. And we'd go over there, we'd watch <laughs> any kind of crap in color. Didn't matter what it was. Bonanza. Even Divorce Court looked good in color. <laughs> oh, Divorce Court Divorce is great. Court. I watch that to this day. I love it. <laughs> oh, you know, what we should have planned is to, to all sing together as we're ending the segment. If I only had a brain. Go ahead. You you stop. If like, I only had a brain. So I we wanted to, to ask you guys, we'll like, to... who's your favorite character in The Wizard of Oz? Ta-da. The Cowardly Lion, Bert Lahr. <laughs> okay. Okay. Switchy looks a little bit Mine's like him. Doesn't he have a little lion thing going there? I know. Yours is a scarecrow. Remember that woman called me, a uh, super fan called me the scarecrow of the show a few weeks yes. ago. Yes. Right? What's yep, he? I do remember that. <laughs> What's his problem? Uh, I have to say my favorite character was the witch. The witch. Which one? What, so yeah. wait, was it? Yeah, which the one? The Wicked Witch. Yeah, the Wicked Witch. 
Wow. Oh, that's, oh yeah. boy, now you're the in the and, and we never really saw the Wicked Witch of the East. We just saw her. Uh, the one of the West. You saw her yeah, shovel up, right? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Which yeah. I West think Coast you Witch. can assume the, the, the Wicked Witch of the East is, you know, they're the same. The, yeah. But we could the do Wicked a whole, Witch of the West is worse. <laughs> we do a whole biopic on her, you know? Do one. Well, he had Her a lot of uh, story of the Wicked Witch. He, there's the a East. lot of books in Oz. Wizard of Oz is just one yeah. of many, many stories, um, which is kind of yep. crazy that they kind of go back and forth to this other world and stuff like that. Kind of st- very science fictiony in a way. Yeah, they had uh, there's a place called Winkyville, wow. which was never in the movie. Winkyville, holy! Please, please insert your own that. joke there. Yeah, well, yeah the Winkies. They were <laughs> another uh, another race. Uh, uh, that was, you know. Very, very racist. They cut them out of the movie. The Winkies. <laughs> oh, my God. What a I show. <laughs> didn't, didn't she sell Maxwell House coffee to the uh, evil witch? Yes, yeah. She, she did a coffee yeah, commercial, yeah, yeah. yes. That, yep. that green face to this day, yeah. when I first saw it as a young child, stuck under that building and the things, you know, the feet and yeah, the socks. Yeah, the feet shrivel up. Yep. Scare, I, I would see her doing Maxwell House. It would still scare me. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, I used so to watch good. it. Oh, it's, it's so good. I used to watch it when I went to my aunt's house, and I always thought that when they were singing the song for the flying monkeys, Ooh, oh, that's a great. Oh, I always thought worm. they were saying Oreo. Uh, <laughs> I would say Oreo. I want aren't they? some. <laughs> aren't they? Because Ore- uh, Oreos are great. Yeah, but aren't they saying Oh, we 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 work or we love the old one or something? No, no, no. I, I have What's, no idea. It's just it's all, all nonsensical. Yeah, wow. I thought there was a we work for the old one, or we love for the old one, the Wicked Witch. It's like a Beatles well, song. It means whatever you hear it. But It seemed like some kind of military. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's, like a That's like, that like a deuce. I can't. That was, yeah, the, uh, that was the, my... Uh, the Simpsons did, did, did a takeoff on that. Really? That's an earworm. You they watch that did. movie. You're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, they did. Right. right. The Simpsons take on Wizard of Oz. Help the Simpsons. Like all marching uh-huh. people doing oh we oh. <laughs> That's yeah. what they say. Oh we. I think they belong to uh, Mr. Burns's army or something. <laughs> uh, Release Mr. the Burns. hounds. The <laughs> I'd love to see what the script said if they were actually saying it. Yeah, who I'm sure it's the out there was somewhere. It, uh, Mankiewicz who did the script? Oh, Mank, they call him? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I, I think- ha- you know, I had that in my paper. My little my little report and I deleted it and I don't know why. Wow, two eggs. <laughs> but I can look it up for you. His son, who's on TMC, or his grandson. Yeah, he's yeah, his grandson. He's on CBS. He used to, he used to be uh, one of the big newscasters down here. Where I live. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And yeah, he was like the six o'clock news anchor, and then he went to TMC, TCM or whatever. Wow, so he had that training. Yeah, his old man or his grandfather was uh, the famous uh, screenwriter Mankiewicz. Right. What was his first yeah, name? Yeah, grandfather. Producer, yeah. everything. Yeah. This so says wow, L. Frank Baum. Oh, that's right, Frank Baum. Well, who who Frank Baum? He, he wrote the he wrote the novels. He right? wrote the novels. He wrote the novels. Who wrote the movies? Writer, movie, Doug. movie. I'm gonna say someone like William. The, the, there are so many good lines in that, and so many catchphrases. You know, that stayed with you. You know, that stayed with you. And like I said, that 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 match is an earworm. You watch that movie, and you'll be, you know, you know, three days later, yeah, that yeah, will be, yeah. you know, NEM, NEM. So it's in the lexicon of our language, you know. So wow, what a show uh, we've had tonight. This is nuts. But uh, let me thank everybody. That is a good film school movie, though. Did you study that film at film school? Yeah, I got to cut that out because we already did the end of the show. Uh, yeah, we did it. You know, we did it from a technical thing. You know, that's how they talked about the tornado was in the yeah. 
and going from color to black and white to color, then back to when they go back. Do they go back to black and white when she wakes up? Y- yes. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what? There's a great spoof. Did you ever see the Kentucky Fried movie? Yes. Yeah, oh, years ago. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. There's like an interior movie so spoof long ago. Yes. Yes. Full of yen, which is kind of a spoof on a Bruce Lee movie. But at the very end, when he vanquishes the evil villain, he ends up back in Kansas, Lou, <laughs> as, uh, the, 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 the Asian fighter. And he's surrounded by people that were in the original uh, uh, movie, spoof movie he was in. And that's all in black and white. Oh, wow. And okay. It's, uh, it's hilarious. It's worth to watch the Kentucky Fried movie. Although it's an adult movie, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it certainly is. You don't is. want your young kids around watching it. Oh, God. Uh, I can't watch it. Before we... Can't uh, watch it? Oh, I can't watch it. No. I mean, she loves it. I'm a, I'm a child. Okay. Before we go to break, I just want to apologize to all Italians, Spaniards, <laughs> Asians... And Laplanders, okay? But Max, they should know no Italians were harmed during the making of this podcast. I don't know. I felt nauseous when you were talking about somebody mentioned some type of food. You see, you made Jocko uncomfortable. Anyway. Well, I I don't know who said it or what it was, but I was like, oh. Hey, listen, would you ever eat spaghetti out of a can, you, Jocko? Maybe if it was like, you know, the end of the world and there was no food left. But it would take that out of a can? Yeah. I just did that a few uh, weeks ago. Did you really? SpaghettiOs was terrible. SpaghettiOs. Hey, listen, oh, worse than that. That Franco-American horrible. stuff was awful. All right, don't say I that. had Dinty Moore's beef stew the other day. Oh, that's, the, that's supposed to be the best bad. thing in a can. Yeah, had that in school. How is it the same? Yeah, it must be the same. Right. That's that's the healthiest thing you can buy in a can. I remember reading. Uh, I think the can said the expiration date was 1973 or something that's like okay. that. Don't, oh still okay. Don't worry about that. Same stuff. horse meat. Same horse <laughs> yeah, meat. You're still here. <laughs> okay. Why don't we do this? It ages well like fine wine. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, like the Twinkies they put out on a uh, – didn't someone put a Twinkie out on a window <laughs> ledge and you know, 20 years later it's still puffy and eatable? Edible, wow! Yeah, or they or they put the McDonald's Edible. and leave it there for like seven hundred years, and it still like looks <laughs> looks well, good. It turned right. out that the Twinkies, it's the same basic substance of the universe. Yeah, right. Same building blocks. It's right? all in there, dark matter yeah. included. So why don't we take a hey, wow? Why don't we take a yeah, commercial break now, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Lonnie, <laughs> military exile show, here on the Distant Sorry. Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back. There's a monster in Tokyo Bay, hundreds of feet tall and breathing fire. It's able to destroy whole cities, sink entire battle fleets, and knock swarms of jet fighters from the sky. But there's another even more dangerous resident of the bay. A secretive psychopath intent on covering the planet with nuclear-armed booby traps unless the world's population bends to their demands. Meanwhile, a mysterious group of reborn medieval warriors has taken to the air. Strange signals are being picked up from outer space, and witnesses report seeing hundreds of ghost planes flying in the night skies over Tokyo. Sailing off the coast of Japan aboard the United American Navy's mega aircraft carrier, the USS USA, it's Hawk Hunter, the wingman. He must investigate these unusual occurrences while trying to thwart the criminal's apoleptic plan. But will his actions save the planet or lead to World War IV? Find out in Mac Maloney's exciting new novel, The Jericho Storm. Filled with dozens of dogfights, sea battles, and brutal hand-to-hand combat, The Jericho Storm is book 21 in Mac's best-selling Wingman series. Team up with Hawk's longtime allies, as well as a few new ones, including fighter pilots Switchblade Steve Ward and Jocko Johnson. That's Wingman 21, The Jericho Storm. On sale now at your local bookstore and on Amazon. Imagine. You knew what was going to happen two seconds before it happened. 
Imagine you lived with the world's most beautiful supermodel. Imagine you drove a Jaguar with machine guns behind the headlights. Well, it's time to stop dreaming and start reading about Navy Lieutenant Chris Starr, hero of Mac Maloney's new best-selling paranormal detective series, Codename Starman. Who murdered the most beautiful tea girl in San Diego? Who's bombarding a small Massachusetts town with heavy artillery on Christmas Eve? Who's causing the mass murder of terrorists in the jungles of Africa? These are the cases Lieutenant Chris Starr must solve in the Kalashnikov Kiss, the first book in Mac's exciting new series, Codename Starman. Follow the Starman as he uses his psychic abilities to crack cases the U.S. Navy has declared too unusual. Find out why the Pentagon calls him the X-Files guy. And what is the wormhole anyway? To find out, get your own tomato can and be ready for action, strange adventures, paranormal activity, and lots of cover models. In Codename Starman, the Kalashnikov Kiss by Mac Maloney. On sale now at Amazon and your local bookstore. Back everyone to Mac Maloney's Motrax Now Show here in the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. Okay, if we're not all genuflecting and doing the sign of the cross now, we never will. Brother Paul, a good friend, Brother Paul, friar to the UFO friar, Brother Paul, explained to us why if aliens came down here, they'd be Catholics, apparently. Is that that's yeah, the gist I got? That's right? exactly what he said. Okay. But, okay. Uh, would they be, uh, you know, man, man was created in the image of Jesus, in the image of God, right? That, that's what they say. So, um, I guess that's if what they, they would look like. Wanted to be Catholics, he would. They they would do it for them. Yeah, right. If they landed and wanted to be baptized Catholic, the Pope would be all for it. Yeah. Okay. Sounds very inclusive. Except, will they really want to be baptized when they land here? They take a look at this freaking planet and go, really? You don't really have anything to do with anything here? It might be, a, they'd ask as a trick question to get on the inside and take over. <laughs> Just, you know, go to the Pope, we're only kidding, you know. Right. <laughs> and if they failed the question, it'd be more like to serve man, right? Yeah, serve man, right. Right. It's a cookbook. So anyway, Switchy, I know you have another report tonight. Another report from the Fringe. Let's put your bumper in again. Twice in the show, here it is. And now, it's time for another story from the lost annals of the paranormal. It's time for Steve Ward's Report from the Fringe. Okay, Switchy. So, uh, tell us, uh, Flying Pancakes update? Well, we're, we're getting to that. We're gonna, we, last, last week, Go ahead. we talked about uh, Ian Taylor in Aberdeen, 1956. Yes. Uh, he saw this giant UFO, and, and there were even military planes surrounding it. And it was interesting because this thing just stayed there for a very long time. You can tell it was a different time. We didn't have the technology and surveillance. And apparently, whatever or whomever it was, they didn't really care that they were being surveilled. But then uh, this, the, this was from uh, Earth, an alien enterprise by Timothy Good. He had several other examples of giant UFOs. One other one took place in early 1980. Uh, two Metro police officers that were on patrol in Middlesex 
and uh, obviously Middlesex, England. Robin Perry uh, is one of the officers that wrote to Timothy Good. And uh, it, it was what they were in, what they called an area car. And uh, they were on patrol. He had a, and he was with a partner. And it was about 3 a.m. in the morning. And they were uh, uh, from North Holt. Uh, someone had been setting fires to cars in the area. So there, there was crime in the old days. And so they were, they were skulking along very sneakily, hoping they were looking for uh, unsavory characters, uh, you know, just to, to try and prevent any other fires. Uh, <clears throat> now, the pedestrian traffic at this time, I guess it's changed over the years, but at that time, it was almost non-existent. And so they saw a, off in the distance, <clears throat> they saw a large orange light in the sky. And, uh, and it was toward RAF Northhold. And as they started to talk about it, it suddenly seemed to be moving right toward them. And it was a, turned out as, as it got closer, it was a huge black triangle. It had a light on each point of the triangle and something like an orange light or a ball in the middle. And they, uh, they said it was about two football pitches long, which would be a roughly 330 yards. So it's one of these giant triangles. And it came very low over the park area. Uh, I think it's Rectory Park. And it was absolutely no noise. And it got, it got down so low to them, they were unable to see the sky around it. And so as they're moving along in their car, this thing seems to be matching their speed. And for about three quarters of a mile. And they finally, they, they stopped, they got out. They, they were trying to wave at it, signal to it, which may have been a really bad idea in retrospect, but uh, uh, they, uh, there was never any response, nothing happened, there were no missing time reported. And then all of a sudden, it shot straight up. Uh, it's it just a tremendous speed, again, not making any noise. And uh, they, uh, uh, they, they contacted RAF Northhold, and uh, they had, I guess they had seen something there, but uh, uh, you know it wasn't really reported, and that was it. Now, the, the interesting thing about that is that here they are in a metro area, and even though it's night, and even though it usually doesn't have much traffic, they didn't encounter any cars or any pedestrians while this happened. And again, it was all perfectly silent. It makes one wonder, was this a real objective experience, or was something else going on here? People, uh, oftentimes, uh, people seem to have a sort of a, a, a disassociation with reality when these events happen. So it's just very interesting that here's this, this another one of these giant craft that nobody else sees. So that's really the uh, finishes up that one report. Uh, Timothy Good gave several other examples, but what I wanted to do is move along with another kind of an interesting connection. Uh, many times we have talked about in the past of Joe Symington and the cosmic pancakes from outer space. Right. April 1961, Eagle River, Wisconsin. Uh, he. Uh, uh, he was uh, finishing up his breakfast dishes. He hears this god-awful noise. He said, like, knobby tires on a wet pavement. <laughs> this craft, uh, like two bowls together, uh, comes down, and it has a door open, and he approaches the door. He sees people in there. He's not frightened by it. Uh, and the people, they, they're about five feet tall. They're wearing knit caps and coveralls. And uh, one of them wants water. So he gives them this this, this copper, this uh, chrome-colored bowl which looks very much like the same uh, material his uh, craft is made out of and uh it, it, so joe gets him water and uh and he gets some pancakes in exchange well when the judge asked him later 
you know, what, uh, see, everybody believed Joe, even the Air Force, when they came down, they even examined the pancakes. They, they thought that they thought that Joe just fell asleep and had a dream. But everybody believes Joe believes what happened. Now, if he did fall asleep and have a dream, that might explain why the pancakes tasted so bad if he actually made them in his sleep. So the thing is that the judge said, Joe, what do these guys look like? Little green men? And, and, and he said, no, judge. It looked like swarthy Italians. Oh, come on now. Listen, okay. the, the, now so, Jocko's upset. That's inappropriate. Oh, man. Well, they, they, now, now take, 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 be calm, but there's a little more to this. So John Keel in Trojan Horse, Operation Trojan Horse, reports that there was a, a, a news conference uh, years ago, 1948, General Spatz, big general in World War II. Yes. And in part of the conference, he actually says there's no truth to the rumor that Spaniards are driving flying saucers or that they're coming from Spain. <laughs> Okay, now Keel. Have we, is there is, anyone out there we the haven't days when we had insulted cool tonight? Ufonauts. Go ahead. Uh, Keel uh, was getting reports routinely of of landings, and some of the individuals that would step out were, were prescribed as, and again, not the, the the witnesses weren't terribly sophisticated in their descriptions. They would say, "Well, they looked European, or they looked like dark foreign types," and uh, so that's the same kind of description. You know, swore the Italians or whatever. I don't think Naples or Madrid had a secret space program, but I could be wrong. But uh, and also that description does kind of uh, uh, fit into some of the Men in Black reports. Uh, okay, true. well, there's there's a lot more to that, but that was just a, a recap because I found a very an interesting sighting. This was reported to Jacques Vallée and uh, a guy named uh, Floyd Dillon. Now this is way back in uh, 1928. He's in his Model A. He's mm-hmm. about 10 miles west west of the Yakima Reservation. Yes. Now, this area is a super hot spot that we probably should talk about sometime. Go ahead. But uh, he's driving along, and uh, he, he was a young kid. He was only 17. And he came, uh, he, he's, he's on a, on a uh, uh, just a dirt road. He comes to a rise, and he sees this craft, this uh, metallic hexagon, completely silent has a dome on top. It's hovering about 75 feet off the road, about 22 by seven feet. And through the window, he could see the the pilot or the entity inside. Uh-huh. And the interesting thing is, he said, you know, if I were to describe what he looked like uh, on Earth, I'd say he looked Italian. Where, 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 where are we going here with this? Okay, I have well, to the, cut this up. Here's and, the thing. I don't know what it, we're talking here's about. Here's the thing. It's... it's uh, Again, these dark foreign types, they're not, sometimes they, they say that they had, would have an Asian countenance, but they weren't Asian. So they, they're, all they're doing is giving a kind of a general description. Well, they look kind of like John Keel when he was talking to people. There's a lot of people he encountered during the Mothman era yes. where they, they were, they were uh, uh, visited by these strange characters, these men in black. And so he would carry various photographs of ethnic groups with him. And the one group they always pointed to were Laplanders. And if you look at the photographs of Laplanders, they have okay. a bit dark skin. Uh, possibly the eyes look a little bit Asian. That might be a bit of a stretch. But wow. the, again, the point is that these are people, just ordinary people, but seeing these things, and you're, we're seeing these, these crazy patterns here. But we really don't know what it means because we, we, we don't know if they're actually uh, uh, being visited by physical, objectively real euphonauts or or if this is something more in the the mental realm but i just think it you know it's, it's interesting that here you cut 
they swore the Italian in 1928 and, and some more in 1961. Well, I'm pretty sure they're not Italians. And uh, Keel was, uh, it was certain that uh, Laplanders weren't being recruited by the government right. to, to silence UFO witnesses. It's just one of those bizarre connections that uh, should be looked at. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, right. I, all I can say to kind of save face here is that it's true. When, when men in black have shown up in the past, they look like they are— um, from a different part of the earth, but you know, like like the 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 tropics or the southern part, you know, whatever. But but they don't, don't they don't really fit. Any they don't fit anything. Ethnicity. Right. They just sort of Close. suggestive of something else. There's, Draco is now sending us a uh, okay a radio show. So what does that say? I don't know. I just so. I just wanted to ask Switch. Is <laughs> are we talking about a, a craft like a boomerang or a solid? No, this this, this particular one. Okay. Well, was, the other was, one is uh, solid in the center. earlier report was a, a giant triangle. Now, there were uh, over upstate New York at one time. Yes. There were a lot of triangles, but there were uh, there also the boomerang type is reported right. as well. That's right. And I they're, heard they're, that they're huge and they're silent and they're lit up with, with various lights. But, so, but that's another thing we've all, we just talked about recently is the incredible variety of these craft. Right. I mean, the, the one in, in Yakima, you know, it's generally like some of the other ones, but uh, boy, there's so many models that uh, you wonder, is it is are we dealing with a grand central station of different entities coming from all over, or is something else going on? Right, here's, here's my question real quick, okay? I was thinking about this the other day. So this happened, you know, years ago, and they see, you know, there's this craft, and they see someone in it, and they want pancakes, and they're dressed up like little plumbers or, you know, the Mario guys in the computer game, whatever. Okay, why aren't... Why wouldn't that be seen now? Do you know what I mean? I, this is a question we ask you know, often. It's it's kind of like people see UFOs in the era that they live in. You know, we would never see well, if, that type of thing today. We it, what we would see today would be you know just cool and you know moving fast in the speed of light and right. There's they they, they do change now. If if Joe if somebody reported that same experience a hundred. Or 200 years earlier, yep. they would have said, well, he was visited by the fairies, even though they showed up in this this strange looking metallic chariot. Yes. Right. Right. So so but so how can we account for that, though? I mean, why would we I mean, unless just like, you, you know, the Buick that your father had, you know, you're seeing UFO Buicks in 1950 and then you're seeing 2022 models. Why wouldn't well, they get other- futuristic? Why wouldn't they advance in? know what they look like if you know what i mean well there's, there's other things that don't make any sense what the heck if this is a small scout ship what the heck are they doing with this flameless grill where they cook pancakes <laughs> that's don't true. they carry freeze-dried food <laughs> why do they need water do they do they need it for to examine our water or are they just out of water maybe their plumbing system is broken wow. uh maybe they need to, to use it to mix tang like the astronauts did i love it's, tang. these things have a high level of absurdity yes and uh, of course Joe might have, maybe he did fall asleep and have a bizarre dream, but uh, it's it has just has some connections with folklore, right? Um, yeah, and there's so many of these uh, modern day UFO experiences that are are similar or have shades of various traditions and folklore. But one of the most uh, uh, striking uh, similarities is the missing time factor. Mm-hmm. Um, we we always talk about from Betty and Barney Hill on the missing time, very common occurrence. And that happened all the time 
with the, the elementals, with the fairies. People would be whisked away to the uh, an underground kingdom. Of course, sometimes UFO abductees yes. think they went to an underground base or a cavern or just a, a mystical land. They couldn't identify where it was from. Nowadays, they're more akin to going off and getting one of those unscheduled medical examinations with no copay, no deductible, Probes. And no HMO. Probes. Mm. And, no and you don't get your results from your examination. And no uh, latex gloves. No, wait a yeah, minute. No prescriptions. I mean, How do on. you know? Yeah. Raven, he stepped on your line. What did you say? Not without I said, drink. <laughs> I said, and no consent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You didn't have to sign any papers. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> good thing Brother Paul is in here. Yeah. Well, I, I know what you don't, know, but it, it seems to, it moves with the times. You know, what we see is, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's yeah, like yes. what is around but us. There's also a high level of absurdity with it and a trickster element. Right, yeah, um, yeah. I remember going through the, the book, um, the Utah UFO display, which preceded the, the hunt for the skinwalker. Go ahead. And this was by uh, uh, Frank Salisbury. Yep. He was uh, got all these reports from Junior Hicks, who was a local high school teacher. Go ahead. And he, he talked to all kinds of people around that area, uh, Native Americans and uh and, and residents alike, and uh, there's a two-page spread of the kind of crafts they were seeing just in that area. Yeah, wow. and uh, you know, I, I look. You look online, and they, they, there's every once in a while they would publish a a guide to the types of UFOs are seen, and it will fill up two full pages with these small little illustrations. Strange. So how do we? We can't. I don't think we can just account for that from you know human perception and people just describing things a little differently. There's well, something else going on. Let me throw let me throw this out to you, okay? And once again, yeah. we've talked about this on. You know, shows in the past. Do you think that, and not that we're going to answer it, but as a theory, do you think that our DNA contains memories, not just you know what to do, how to how, how to become a human and stuff, but memories that uh, you know carry on uh, through generations, and that you remember things that maybe a hundred years ago one of your ancestors was told a fable or a, a fairy tale. You remember it, but it just comes out as a UFO story these days. See what I mean? I think that's that's possible. Um, it, it might explain some of the, some of the uh, uh, reincarnation experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Sc- Scott Rogo wrote a great book called "The Search for Yesterday," and in there he uh, he uh, he found that uh, well he, ex- he did explain a certain group of of these experiences through ki- kind of false memory. Uh, syndrome kind of things, but that's that's that would be a lot to go into. Mm-hmm. But he he did find that there was a certain certain stories were not uh, apparently were not explained that way, and he wasn't sure that we're talking about the survival of a soul per se popping out and into somebody else. Mm-hmm. But he did think that there was some kind of a paranormal agency that sometimes where sometimes people could really pick up real information from people in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps. Perhaps that DNA thing, uh, if it were explored more, would come out to the fact that that's where it was coming from. Perhaps. Well, yeah, I mean, it just yeah, you know, like there are traits that are passed on. Not that I'm a big DNA expert, but you know, if if you're an athlete, they do say that it skips a generation. But you know, there are families of athletes. You know, that's something in the DNA that they become athletes, or musicians, or actors, or anything. So, you know, if if those kinds of traits. Uh, you know, carry it in your DNA. Why couldn't little bits of memory 
significant pieces of memory be passed on as well. You know? uh, Keel believed that John Keel believed that uh, uh, you know he talked about these transmogrifications of energy mm. that the you know we might uh, these might be like temporal constructions and mm. temporal experiences, but uh, he also thought that at times people might actually go into a trance state yes. and 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 have a believe they've had an experience yes and uh, uh, it, but not 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 hallucinating but some kind of outside stimulus. That's creating something that's actually illusory. Yes. If we go back to the 1600s, Anne Jeffries, she was a, a young lady that, that described all kinds of uh, uh, detailed experiences with the little people, with the fairies. Mm. But she had never would never didn't leave her room. She mm. went to a trance state, but had all these detailed experiences. Oh. It's very. It's like it's possible that sometimes some of these paranormal experiences may happen the same way. The question is. What what is the stimulus? Where is it coming from? Right, yeah. Is it a, a collective unconscious thing, uh, which gets to be kind of a cliche, but uh, so he he uh, there, there's just qu- it's quite a mystery mm. to try and figure out what's going on. But to look at these things as all purely nuts and bolts and physical may not uh, yeah. serve us in really explaining what's going on. Right. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Thank you, Switchy. I'm going to just throw it to one on because we're. Uh bringing the train into the station here. What? Uh, this is off the topic. What do you have for dinner over there? Do you go out every night, or do you make food at your house, Juani? Uh, Sarah and Lisa do a lot of the cooking around here. Is it American food? They, yeah, sure. Oh, it is. Okay, all right. Uh, yep. Like hamburgers and uh, stuff? Yep, yeah. and uh, here's one of our favorites, posh dogs. You know how things are posh around here, Yes, right? of course. It's like, it looks like a sausage from a distance, but it's, a, it's like a hot dog, but it's fat. <laughs> it's Wow. <big>. Posh <laughs> dogs. Posh Look dog. it up. Okay, posh you gotta dogs. Be posh. It's like a knockwurst. It's is right. it like a exactly. toad? I don't know what that is. I don't know. But it's like a knockwurst, yeah. Okay, you I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to know. Wow, um, okay. I was hungry until now. We do, we do eat a lot of meat around here too. It's not just a fish and chips place. Huh? Yeah. It's a fish and chip. Uh, we love fish and chips, though. Yes. And especially when the chips, yes, are done right too, with yes. uh, some salt and vinegar, and uh, you know, dress it Ooh. up a little bit. And they have to be cooked. Uh, they have to be cooked well. Well, yeah. No. Okay. Of course. No, I mean well no, done. A little bit well done. Anyway. Wow. The fish is dynamite around here. It yeah. really I is. Bet, man. Well, it should be. You get oceans they, all around. And you. then they have a dessert of uh, one, maybe two espresso martinis <laughs> at this restaurant uh, <laughs> overlooking the water, right? Just walk to a 10 minute walk and I'm 15 minute walk and I'm there. Boom. Wow. Okay. Uh, right. Some burgers or some fish and chips and my martinis, wow. espresso martinis. I'm, a, I'm hungry again. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, why don't we pull the train into the station? I want to thank. Uh, Brother Paul Santoro for joining us earlier tonight, uh, giving us uh, the Vatican's take on what would happen if aliens landed here on Earth. Thank you, Brother Paul. Uh, thank you, um, Raven, for your report. Cursed movies, really appreciate it. I always get creeped out. Thank you. Thank uh, you for having uh, me. Jojo, been drawing all night. What are you drawing? Dirty pictures there? What are you doing? No, I was just I was I was making some notes, and I wanted to ask okay. about okay. that that sighting. Yes. Uh, brother Paul was an interesting guy. Uh, he's a brother and a chef, right? I mean, I I got to tell you, man, I don't know how you do it, but his, it's unbelievable. 
It's even when he cooks the spaghetti, it's just like perfect. You know what I mean? It's just oh boy, huh, man, oh man. Eat, you just haven't eaten the right stuff. Cooks his, it makes his own bread and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's insane. Yum. Yeah, we, we used to make it's our same. own pasta because see, my grandmother now there's spaghetti which is whole, right, solid, and then there's macaroni that you could has a hole in it, right? But you can right. make macaroni if you had the right dye when she roll it out that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like a piece of spaghetti, but it had little thin little ridges and a hole. Wow. So this gravy gets caught in the middle oh, yeah. and yeah, sticks yeah. on the outside. See? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I like the cheese. It doesn't slide off. It's there. right. Mm. Three I, different kinds of cheeses. I get, I get, I shove them in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So good. Okay. Man, I'm getting puns as we sit here. Uh, it listen, tastes uh, good. You like crazy. it. It's not wrong. Switchy. Uh, gravy is spaghetti sauce, okay, in this pile right. of Yeah, that's, I, I was paying attention yeah. when I heard that. So. Yeah, it took a while to I'm get used to that. Biscuits and spaghetti sauce uh, <laughs> right. one of these days. Perfect. Ah, oh. Listen. <laughs> anyway, Biscuits thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> thank you, JoJo, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Switchy, we'll see you soon, okay? Switchy? Okay, sounds good. Okay. Raven, it's uh, time of night that we have to say goodbye to you. Goodbye, Raven. Thank you for having me. Now, you have a bun tonight. We haven't mentioned the bun. Do you have a bun tonight for the people who want to know? <laughs> yes. A nice looking bun. Okay. It, was, it was too hot to do my hair or any makeup, so this is all I was able to do. I, I, I don't... And she's uh, got that piercing. And she got a piercing I in I have the yep. piercing, and I can't really talk that great. Right. <laughs> I can't smile. I wouldn't have known. We don't have our makeup on either, so... I mean, I don't. I don't. No, I don't know about everyone else. I haven't had a piercing in a long time. I think I'm due for one. Are you really? Where are you going to get it? Yeah. Where are you going to get, get it? In, in the same earlobe. I, I, <laughs> I have to make sure to, that the piercing that I don't use is still free and clear. I check it every so often. But uh, I need to get a cool stud. I have a nice onyx stud to go there. And, yes. Uh, I lost it. You lost it. Cool. It's, it's, in the, it's in the old house someplace in between floorboards or something. <laughs> Wow. I've never located it. Couldn't find it. Okay. Where's, your, huh? where's the new uh, piercing ring? What appendage? Oh, oh, we're talking through. I, I got my Medusa pierced, which is right right above my uh, Cupid's bow. It's really hard to see because my lighting is yeah, you're a little, real you're terrible. You're fuzzy, fuzzy tonight. Yeah, right there. It's right there. Oh, oh yeah, it's hard to see, but. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. That's what we said. Called the Medusa. Hmm. Wow. Works. Okay. Super. Um, thank you, Raven, for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. One, one, once again, thank you for joining us from across the pub. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Okay. So why don't we do the, um, uh, the uh, what are you the plugs? The plugs, uh, first of all. Homestrat Troops. Homestrat Troops is an organization that gives uh, our veterans coming back from the Afghan war and also the Iraqi war uh, who may have uh, lost a limb during those uh, in combat over there. Uh, they... Um, Build houses for them that are easier for them to get around, low counter space, no ch- uh, stairs, things like that, and um, make them kind of more adaptable for them. And then when they finish the house, they give them the keys, rip up the mortgage. It's their house for free. Homes for our troops. Please uh, Google them. Uh, you'll see that uh, 88 cents of your charity dollar goes uh, to our veterans. That's very high in the charity biz. And what they've also found out is that uh, the people, they've already done almost 400 of these homes, which is amazing. Um, they find out that when people are given this home, okay, and they deserve it because they gave everything for us over there just about, uh, when they're given this home and then they can go out and just lead a normal life, you know what I mean? Just go get a job and raise a family and stuff like that. You don't have to worry about the mortgage. 
So that's what Homes for Our Troops does. Please, once again, uh, please Google them, see what they're up to. Also, Ross Sharp and his mad Englishman friends are uh, still over there in the UK putting together a mosquito warplane. It was uh, made of wood. When things were tough uh, during World War II for the British, they didn't have any steel, so they made it wood, put two Rolls-Royce engines on it, and it turned out it was so fast that... They could outrun the bullets. Outrun the bullets. They didn't put guns on them. amazing. They didn't need guns. Aren't they putting two of them together, or is it just one? Uh, I'm not sure. You ever over there to check them out, okay? I I am. Can you see the progress? There's a big air show coming up, too. Okay, yes. Farnsborough? Must be the Farnsborough air show. Uh... I don't know, okay. but um, I was alerted by it. Okay. I'm looking it up now, but I can't find it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so uh, look for the People's Mosquito Project. See what they're up to. Also, if you want a bag of swag, the best way to get a bag of swag, it, by the way, a new bag of swag, is to go to MacMaloney.com, hit the contact button, and send us your mailing address, your postal address, not your email address, your mailing address. We'll send you a bag of swag, and the new bag of swag has all the um, previous stuff in it, different pens, decals, stuff like that. The new bag will also include larger buttons, you ready, keychains, and uh, refrigerator magnets, which are, you know, going out the door like crazy, on top of the bar coasters. Okay, wow. that's a bag of swag. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was a keychain person as a kid. Really? You mean a... yeah. You mean a door latch kid? Oh, no. What do you call that? Yeah. A latchkey kid? A latchkey kid. Is that what you mean? Latchkey. Yeah, I was a latchkey kid. Oh, for sure. <laughs> wow. You were, were, you Back were, then, the key was under the mat someplace. Yeah, under, right. Like they wouldn't, the criminals under, wouldn't look under that. The plant. Under the under rock. Under the rock. And you had to memorize your phone number just in case anyone kidnapped you. So right. you could be like, can you just call my mom? Yeah. And let her know. <laughs> Listen, what, what, what is, what is, you were a keychain kid where you had a lot of keychains? Is that it? Oh, uh, I probably had. Easily twenty-three keychains on my backpack when I was in like elementary school. Really, it was Did you have like a little doll too on your backpack uh, keychain, little toy of some sort. Here, I'll tell them yes. Oh. I see no, that a just, lot. They just tied me to a tree in the backyard and let me graze. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go very far. Wow. Okay. So, well, any on that note, thank you, Raven, and thank you, one, one, one. Thank you, Switch. Thank you, Jojo. You're welcome. Thank you, Brother Paul. Uh, so this is uh, Mac Maloney for the entire gang. And so until you hear us again. Be safe, be happy, and bye-bye.